0: these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored welcome to tfm's local books and comic show for star trek and i'm just one of the hosts here matthew rushing and i'm so excited to be here with none other than associate producer casey bennett hello
1: hello hey man how are you i'm good it's uh good to be back it's been a little while since we've been here together. But, I know, uh, I know. It is it is good to be back, and I'm, I'm excited
0: because we've got some comics to talk about, and we've got a new book series we're starting on, so it is an eventful day, but... Before we get to that, of course, just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, and whatever platform you're on, just make sure you are subscribed so you get the show as soon as it drops. Uh, you can also help us out by reviewing us in places where that's possible, like Apple Podcasts or maybe uh, giving us a start rating on Spotify. All of those things help. You can also find us online at trek.fm on Twitter or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. We're also on Instagram at fm. You can find the listeners only discussion group and talk to listeners from all over the world on the Babel Conference. That's a Facebook group. Uh, and you can find the website at trek.fm. And then if you do like all of the shows that we do here on the network, like Casey, as well as Greg Rosier, you can become... A associate producer here through Patreon, and make sure that all of the podcasts that we're doing here keep coming to you each and every week. We really do want to continue to grow the network, and we can only do that with listeners like you. Uh, so go to Patreon.com/slash FM and see how you can become part of the team. So, Casey, I mentioned that we have a couple of comics. Um, the one that has come out is the. Uh, kind of one it's it's not a one shot, but it's basically like a one off for the mirror war uh and this one focuses on Jordy laforge and I like the data one, I'm really interested to hear you know kind of what you thought of this issue.
1: you know, I almost wish that these issues were what the whole mirror war saga was just these little snapshots into some of these characters because. I, I feel like this Geordie one especially works just a lot better than the series has been working for us so far. Um, this one, I feel like they tried to tie in a little bit more to the overall story, but just getting this view into Geordie and into the mirror Geordie was a lot better than, um, even the, the data one that we got. I feel like because it, it really gave you a really good in depth view of this mirror Geordie character that maybe we haven't really gotten as much of before.
0: Yeah, I I think that's right, absolutely. Um obviously this is you know we don't really know much about Jordy. Anyway, I mean regardless of whether he's in the mirror universe or, you know, in the prime universe uh and right. <laughs> so I think this was really interesting to kind of see what his backstory is, you know, how he had made his way Um, You know, he's he's been a part of the Stargazer with Picard. And then, you know, he was uh, been on uh, Utopa Planitia as helping create the Enterprise D that we see. Um, And this is an interesting story because it is all about really he's been put in this agony booth and this person is torturing him, trying to get the truth out of him. And, you know, we see, you know, that he had had this love story. This this Jordy is much better with the ladies. Yes, Um, he is. (laughs) And so I I do think that you're right in the sense that all of this is pretty interesting. The the one thing that I would say, though. I I still I, I think as as fun as it was to see this about Jordy I'm I'm still left wondering like I'm not really sure what this whole series is supposed to be about and why it really exists as a story per the whole idea of like being in the mirror universe right. and uh, you know I I feel like this this issue was just kind of one that continues that trend like oh that's kind of Cool, I guess, but I'm not really sure what this means for the rest of the series at all, or or why we're even studying it. So it it's just it's a little bit strange to me. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the whole,
1: I mean, this was as a one shot or kind of a standalone story goes. This this fit in is as to the point where uh, I guess it's Inquisitor Troy is testing Jordy. Mm-hmm. Throughout this and learning more about his past or showing us more about his past. Um, but but she's really doing this for Picard, I guess, for that greater story of, right. you know, building the ships and everything, um, which was it necessary? No, I guess. But, um, you know, I guess if they're going to be spotlighting these characters, mm-hmm. he he was a he was a decent one, I guess, to yeah. to, to go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's always interesting, too. Like, you know, is any of this necessary? No. (laughs) You know, um, I I think, you know, for me, as always, when it comes to tie in fiction and stuff like this, you know, it's it's the stories that make themselves feel the most necessary. Like Mm. when you read it and you're like, oh, man, I could never look at the, you know, TV show or whatever again the same way. Right. And I, I that definitely I I think you know you you struggle to find that with the mirror universe I think in the first place because the mirror universe has so little effect on anything really Mm -hmm. um so it's always more of a hard sell to me and then I I, yeah I think we've been pretty consistent in the sense that this this series has just lacked a why you know and and one that 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 it's been interesting because I mean we're we're getting farther into the series now, and I'm like, okay, when when are we going to get there for that?
1: All right. Well, like the you know Star Trek is known for giving good messages or um, kind of allegories to real life, and the Mirror Universe never was really great at at that. Like even in the TV shows, uh, to some extent, but you know, especially when we're going to take the time and 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 money to, mm-hmm. to read these things, you know, we kind of want to get a little bit of a Star Trek story out of it and, yeah, you know, have a little fun with it, you know, in the comics and, you know, show some kind of odd storylines, I guess. But in, in some ways you kind of got to ask like, what, why, why is this necessary for Star Trek to do this? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, so we had the other comic, which is Star Trek Klingons and it is a one shot Uh, so we will not be getting more uh, with this but i mean this was a very interesting story i thought because we are getting the myth of kalos here and and something that we have never i don't
1: think ever seen before so what did you think of this one this one was a lot better uh it the artwork like the whole thing was was just a lot better um yeah, like you said, we've never really gotten to see this story. We've we've heard it a couple different times. I feel like between when the clone Kalos showed up on Next Generation, and then even when Kalos came back, or there was that episode of Deep Space Nine called "The Sword of Kalos where they kind of dove into the mythology a little bit more. But to actually see it, um, to see it in this story form, and even to some to some extent, get to see almost like why the klingon symbol is that trifoil symbol you know with with these three tribes that he kind of brought together it, it was just a really neat a neat way to see inside the klingon culture and into their mythology a little bit better and i think if i'm not mistaken i think we're going to get more um kind of alien spotlights kind of like what they had done in the past with alien spotlights and so uh you know as far as uh, you could say it's, it's we can kind of get overrun with Klingon stories, you know, uh, throughout Star Trek, really. But mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, in the recent in the recent years with uh, Disco- when Discovery started, uh, this didn't feel like that, like it was going back to the well or, you know, rehashing or just using the Klingons. Like, I, I feel like this used the Klingons in a good way to to start off what could potentially be uh, really interesting spotlights into other alien races as well.
0: No, I agree with you, Casey. I think that this is something that was really interesting to read. Um, And I think the only thing that I I feel like might have made it slightly better um, is that some of the flashbacks made it a little bit difficult to kind of figure out exactly what was going on when until the very last page where they kind of like give you Uh, everything in one and and then it makes things feel a little less clear in the sense of like Kalis's motivations and his (laughs) um and i think the other thing and maybe this is on purpose but you know he throws around the word honor like all klingons do and Uh it seems that there isn't quite as clear of a definition from him as to what exactly that is it's going to like that he's trying to inspire in the other Klingons. Um, but I mean. This also too feels much more like almost a mythology story. Yeah. Where the you know, Kalos came, you know, to the 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 bridge of the three ways or, or I think that's what it's called or um, something like that. And, you know, he he takes down all of these warlords and teaches the people a new way. I mean, so he's like, I guess, the Klingon Moses,
1: but, you know, with a lot
0: more death involved.
1: So <laughs> it uh, yeah, it really did feel like that kind of mythology, like it, it it almost seemed like a retelling, like somebody else retelling, like we don't really know exactly what Kalis was trying to teach us about honor, but we know that that's what was at the at the, the heart of what he was trying to tell us. And and as we've seen through Star Trek, Worf even says that he's he throws around that word a lot and it's it kind of it, it seems to mean whatever they need it to mean whatever the Klingons need it to mean in any particular situation. And that was his way of kind of just bringing everybody mm-hmm. together.
0: And uh, I mean, for him, he's also kind of divorcing them from the idea of their, you know being gods and and all of those kind of things or anybody that they should be beholden to but themselves. And so it's like personal honor, I guess, is what matters. And then, of course, you know, it's also weird because the last page kind of makes it clear that is he really that honorable, maybe, you know, yeah. with what he did to his family. And so it is a really interesting comic. I think it's, it's well done. And, I mean, this is the kind of thing I think it is... Uh, you know much more fascinating uh and so yeah i really um i really do enjoy it a lot so um well casey uh that is our comic reviews for this episode here in the news so i don't know maybe we should explore a new world
1: Mm. a new earth maybe oh
0: so this series, Casey, is called New Earth, uh, and the first book in that series is Wagon Train to the Stars, which, you know, is fascinating for me to read this because um, this book reminded me a little bit of the series 1883 that i would just been watching on Paramount Plus, where it is legitimately the story of people making their way uh, on the Oregon Trail. And that's basically what this book is about. Um, and so with the idea of, you know, um, new worlds and going to a new world, basically like the pioneers of old and expanding the federation, looking for freedom. How did you, how did you feel like first just about this as an idea for a series
1: in the first place? This is a pretty interesting idea for a story. And it's actually kind of interesting, especially when you put it, um, Kind of together with the book that we talked about, I think the last time I was on, or a couple times ago, with the last roundup, which was also about going and founding a colony. Um, but the idea of of taking six books to tell a story about going and founding a colony is—I mean—that really is kind of the, the you know going out there and exploring strange new worlds and. Um, you know, seeing what it would be like in the Star Trek universe to go and and settle a new world, and so you know, to have this idea, um, you know, in this in in this narrative form, I guess, in these novels, um, is, is a really interesting way to tell it because I don't think that this is something that would be as interesting to see on a TV show if they're just you know months on end heading out to a new planet somewhere i mean there's a lot that happens a lot a lot that happens in this book as far as setbacks and um and everything and and with as much time that passed in this book i do kind of wonder and i've i've read these books before but i don't really remember anything from them i, I wonder what's going to happen in the next 5 books since you know by the end of this one they're they're pretty much to the planet so yeah, what, what was your initial thoughts? since you ha- – I don't think you said you've read this before, right?
0: I haven't. And, you know, I think the idea of going to colonize a new world in um, expanding the Federation basically like pioneers of old I-, I thought was a great idea for a story, you know. Um, and, and mainly too because in this time period, you do have the Federation, which – is not as big as it is by the time you get to the next generation where it just seems so expansive, you know, things Mm. are smaller and there is much more frontier to what hasn't been explored in, you know, the alpha and beta quadrants. And so I think, you know, just the idea of creating a new earth, you know, for these people was, was really fascinating. I, I, you know, I think, one, it was really interesting in the book, and I wanted to get your take on this, Casey, because in the idea of going to a new world, I felt like there was a real lack of planning going on. And I was really surprised by this um, because it didn't seem like the idea of Starfleet or even, you know, the, the ability that you have to, like, to kind of scout something out and really know what it is in this time period is much different than, you know, back in in the day. And so I don't know. Um, it just seemed a little bit like this, this wasn't adequately
1: planned. Yeah. That was kind of my, I don't want to say problem with the book. My problem with the, colonists, uh, the governor or whoever it was that decided that they were going to have this colony. I mean, I mean it, it seems like they actually went to great lengths to not know where they were going. Like they wanted to venture into the unknown and there was some scouting that was done, but my thought is like, well, you've got all these starships going out there, exploring the unknown, trying mm-hmm. to find these charting these worlds and everything why wouldn't you want to capitalize on some of that? And they mm-hmm. they were kind of – I kind of wrote down in my notes here that they had, they had hubris, essentially, is what was going on, that they were just – they were so eager to start this colony, they didn't really think everything right. through. So you're saying they had sheer fracking hubris. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> – They, I mean, they they clearly took a book out of, you know, the pages of the old American settlers because they didn't know, you know, when they're going along the Oregon Trail, like they didn't know exactly what they were going to find. And as much warning, I guess, as Starfleet was trying to give these people and like insisting that they take a Starfleet ship or some Starfleet ships with them, they were just so they they didn't want anything to do with it; they just wanted to get there and settle this planet and just deal with whatever came up. But space is a big place, and it's dangerous and and no one knows that better than starfleet
0: mhm this is yeah, this is the thing that really kind of like bothered me, I think, just about the book because it it's you have the ability to adequately like survey areas, you know, um, to to really and, and the fact that they had no idea that there were people in this area in the first place um, yeah. seemed strange um, and to adequately more. I mean, they had some understanding of this gamma night, this this um, sensor thing that happens because of the the rotation of the planets and the star in this area. OK, so they have some understanding of that. But I mean to not know that there's any civilized life in this area, it's like did you do no surveying of this this planet and its surrounding planets and and really do your due diligence before choosing this as a place to colonize because I I just I can't imagine that actually not happening. It and and like you said this felt like it was taking too much of a page from are past in trying to transplant that into the 23rd century when the tools of the 23rd century and the abilities of people in the 20, 23rd century are absolutely, 100%, totally different. And a lot of these things, especially, you know, running into a whole civilization or two civilizations you didn't realize were there and were in a civil war, that, that just felt completely off to
1: me. Yeah. And, I mean, they... I could almost understand them not totally understanding who was in the surrounding space, like in, in surrounding solar systems. But even in this one where this planet that they're going to go settle, like, it sounds like there's something up with the moons. Like, that we still don't mm-hmm. know a lot about the, the survey ship. Um, one of the people on the survey ship that got destroyed by one of these uh, alien cultures um, found that the one of the moons was like hollow and there yeah. was some sort of um i don't know um geomagnetic interference on the planet or like i don't know it just seemed like it was going to be something that could potentially be dangerous and so like mm-hmm. okay so you found a class m planet but did you not look at any of the other worlds yet in, the, <laughs> exactly. Like, in know, that exactly in that solar system to settle earth where they find out if the the moons come in crashing into earth yep. soon you know? like <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I was, so the, so that part happened there and, and it didn't really kind of jive. I felt like with, you know, all of the things that we know about, you know, this time period. And then there was this really interesting and almost strange idea that these people want to kind of basically leave the federation almost for more freedom. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, like I guess, you know, they're also going to be joining the federation as a colony later. And like, I couldn't quite understand the motivations of exactly what they're after. If they're after like, the sheer excitement and of exploration, and you know, being able to create their own world, you know, um, and to experience life on another planet, and and you know, basically have more land, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I get all that, but I, I there was this real strange thought of like them creating their own laws and you know all this kind of stuff as if they're not truly free in the federation but then they want to join it later and yes i get each planet has its own laws in the federation right but it, they still have to be laws that are consistent with the federation or else you can't join you know i mean so right ah man i i don't know it, it just seems
1: very strange yeah i, I got the impression that there was kind of a lot of things going on one they wanted to prove that they could do it which i think at some point somebody said like we need to show like we need to show how it's really done you know and and create our own society with our own laws but yeah they also did say that we're going to apply for federation membership as soon as we get there then well i mean you're federation citizens now like when are you not right. going to be federation citizens <laughs> right and i get that this was like a private endeavor this was they had privateer ships with them they they weren't having starfleet ships take them to set up this colony they wanted to do it as a private endeavor so i i, I get that um you know so i i think I, it almost comes back to hubris again that they they wanted to go out just to prove that they could do it and then kind of become this Spaceport, I guess they wanted to have this strong agriculture and mm-hmm. you know whatever else was going to come up there. But you know, in addition to the lack of planning, they hadn't even finding it. Like on the way there, they didn't even know they they didn't have any laws yet. And so as as things kind of started coming up, like you know, Kirk would tell them, "Well, we're we're still in space. We're not to your planet yet." And you don't even have, like they didn't even have any laws anyway so like as as some of these things started happening going wrong mm-hmm. everyone was kind of just looking around for who who's going to fix this they didn't want starfleet to do it but the governor didn't know what to do cuz they right. hadn't done anything yep um and you know with even even with characters like the the Billy Maiden short character i i think he, you know, he showed up, I think, because he wanted to be a thorn and Kirk side, just from some of the little bit of backstory that we got with them. Yes. Um, at the same time, the way the governor and some of the other people looked at it is that this was going to be a fresh, fresh start for everyone. So they didn't really look into the backgrounds of some of these people very closely because they thought, you know what, we're going to a new planet. People can kind of reinvent themselves when they get there. And we don't really see that with Maiden Shore as much, but I, I do kind of wonder if that is, you know, what these sixty some thousand people, if if that is what some people were trying to just yeah, get a sure. new start somewhere.
0: Well, and I think, yeah, the idea of of I I think even if you know you're not somebody who's been in any trouble with the law or anything, the idea of getting a fresh start by going to a whole new planet and 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 looking for that uh, specifically, you know, I mean, many people um you know went west in the united states because they wanted a fresh start they wanted their own place they wanted to create um their own place right And in their own sense of being and yeah i mean i get i i think all of that and i I think to me as we kind of come back full circle the the original question i i had asked us was what you know, like I get the idea then for this story. It makes sense. Like even in this time period, you still have people that have that pioneering spirit yeah. that they want to be the first place in a new planet and all that. I think all that is the stuff that really worked well. It was just there seemed to be just a lot of things in this book that seems to be so badly thought through by the people going to do this. And then the planning for it just made absolutely no sense to me. So, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, the book really, I think, it's full of people that are just greedy. I mean, uh, Maidenshore is the, the prime example of the fact that he's willing to turn over all of the colonists to the Orions for money. Um and everyone's just kind of using everyone that's not Starfleet,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know you even get the the Bloods and the Clods, you know the the these two species that have been at war for a millennia, and it's and and you know they're they're also using each other and anyone that comes in contact with them to try and take each other out you know and it just it, it was really interesting to me um and i thought that was an interesting thing to see just because it reminded me of like a ramped up version of the harry mud character oh yeah you know so it's not as though star trek hasn't done this before and shown these characters who These are the people who who don't necessarily fit within the mold of a federation type of citizen because they don't have any idea of wanting to be altruistic or help other people. They they look only at what they can get, you know, and they, they kind of remind us much more of the people that we come in contact with, you know, almost every day. So this this whole idea of like greed and what it does to people and and how it hurts so many um i was I was really fascinated by, and I thought they actually one of the better parts of the story
1: yeah, it really did show a human element, um especially when there was the uh lung flu or something that was going around on the one or on multiple ships, I guess, and they only had a certain amount of medication to go around, and everybody wanted it right now and Thought that they were more important than Mm -hmm. everybody else, you know, just got, got super greedy with, with that. And I think that even just goes back into the, the planning of this thing. And, um, well, one, I mean, they, they were relying on Starfleet medical, like for medical assistance, with the vaccine and with just treating all of the sick people. So I'm wondering, well, what were, don't they have any doctors? Why were they accepting that help? But McCoy and, and the other doctors had a, had this, I don't want to say quick fix, but they had the medication that was needed that of course then was being stolen and divvied out to other people who, you know, weren't, weren't getting it yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean it, you know, just with with this whole um fleet of of colonists, I mean <laughs> it, it started to seem like yeah, everybody's got their own angle that they're they're working on mm-hmm. this and you know with with Maiden Shore and the Orions, yeah. that that was the one that made kind of the least sense to me just because uh, everything we've ever known about the Orions, which isn't much at this point, you know, in the mm-hmm. in the Star Trek history, but I don't know what he th- thought he was going to get from the Orions. Right. Just, yeah, you know, he's going to turn over, you know, sixty thousand people to become slaves. I and guess he they're going to pay, really pay him really well or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not turn him into a slave exactly. I don't
0: know. <laughs> um. I think, you know, all that you're saying, especially like when it it comes like the medication, everything like that, I think one of the things about this book that was interesting, that it starts off with so many of these people being greedy, you know, just all all out for themselves. You know, they're all selfish. And what they realize here is that it takes working together the way Starfleet does and on their ships, you know, all of these people working together as one um to make it out in space like you can't make it if all you're do is looking out for yourself which is you know why the federation shows us uh, a society of people who are willing to work for the common good um and and work towards those common goals doesn't mean people don't have you know desires of their own and and you know goals of their own or anything like that right but it's just about not being willing to take advantage of others to the detriment of others because it's that symbiotic relationship. Right. Yeah. And so yep. uh, that was something that was really interesting to kind of see. And again, I, I think that's what made this the most interesting part of the book, because there is all this rampant greed. And yet by the end of the story, the colonists are united with Kirk. And it's because Kirk and his crew and the crew of the other Starfleet ships have continued to show them that they are willing to put themselves on the line for them over and over again. And that if they want to survive, they need to start basically acting in that manner as well, because otherwise they're all going to die, you know. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fascinating. Um, And it's something that I think helps reinforce then The reasons why those type of attitudes weren't as prevalent in the 23rd centuries and beyond is because they aren't conducive to actually being able to make it out in space. I mean, it's literally the thing that brought humanity together in first context when we realize we're not alone, you know. That means we either unite as one, or the universe will pick us off. <laughs> so, and 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 that's exactly what these people learn—that same type of lesson. So, I I thought that was you know, when it comes to like thematic elements and everything with this story, I thought that was again the strongest part of the book,
1: really, to me. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, I thought that um, Kirk especially because he he was. F- personally facing a lot of opposition from either the privateer captains or the captains of the ships that are hauling all these people and i mean kirk and the enterprise the enterprise was really the only starship that went with them and it was because starfleet or the federation somebody told the colony you will take them with you they will help you and, you know, it's your colony, whatever, but we're sending an escort with you. And and Kirk really wanted to do that, partly just because he wanted to get back out there into the into the unknown and, you know, be a captain again. But
0: please don't make me says sing Frozen ta- 2.
1: <laughs> I, have not, I haven't seen okay. Frozen OK, <laughs> there's a song called Into the Unknown. So, <laughs> oh, <funny. laughs> um, but, you know, Kirk says multiple times in it. If people are going to die, Starfleet will be the first to die. If we're going to fight, Starfleet will be the first to fight. And proves to these people really over and over again that, you know, they need Starfleet to at least to some extent. And, and I think in the end, what, what they needed from Starfleet was just that demonstration of mm-hmm. what sacrifice looks like sure. or what the willingness to sacrifice looks like. Yep and and like just like you said like working together I, i'm sure that these people had the greatest intentions in the world mm-hmm. that they were going to work together once they got there but when it really came down to it they didn't know what that looked like and so yeah. kirk had to tell them like i'm i'm putting a starfleet person on every ship everybody needs to agree to act like starfleet you know until we get this orion situation figured out mhm And then we'll be on our way. And, and that's essentially what saved them and, and the people appreciated it and they, and it didn't help that the the governor that they'd elected wasn't, he he was a younger guy, maybe kind of inexperienced. I mean, he's um, kind of an idealistic fool. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. He, he wanted the best, but he also wasn't really sure what to do. He had no experience to, you know, he, he, didn't have anything to back up anything that he might say and so he mm-hmm. kept looking to kirk yep and um kirk really did step up i feel like and show what you know what real leadership looks like mm-hmm. for for yep. the people but also for the governor yeah
0: see i love that you're saying about kirk because i i think one of the beauties of what Kirk does in this is obviously it's exciting for him. He, you know, he steps down from Admiralty to lead this group. And part of that is is his desire, I think, to be back out there. Right. And that this seems like an exciting mission. This is this is Starfleet, right, um, to boldly go in, into a new era and to lead a, a group to create a new era for the Federation, like the, a new hope, hopefully, you know, not to to you know mention a another star franchise but like that's his desire here and i I think that's really interesting and but i think like i really love what you were saying is is the beauty here is that kirk really does a good job of showing these people is that you need to be willing to willingly sacrifice your autonomy for the greater good again otherwise you're you're going to you're going to die um you know personal freedom personal uh um autonomy totally good, right, but it's not the thing to which is actually always best right like and and so Kirk kind of helps them see that that idea of sacrifice and sometimes even sacrificing our quote-unquote freedoms Mm -hmm. for the good of others is important and so and and that's a that's a delicate balance that's what it means to be a part of a free society right um but coming together i think is is really important and i i really appreciated that about the story and again i think it's one of those things that kirk does really well is that he helps exemplify what that looks like um and i think he also helps exemplify following good leadership and how important that is and having good leaders that have experience that have wisdom that have the ability to to truly you know um lead well because they've been through the fire and you know um and and you know there's a little bit of that i think in the story of that kind of like hero worship of kirk in the story but part of that is that kirk and his crew have been out there more than anybody else they've 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 seen the unknown and they know how to face it and yeah i think kirk is the one who he's so stalwart in his beliefs, uh, but he's also ready to back up those beliefs with his actions every minute of the day. And I think that's what wins the people over. Um, and obviously it's what keeps them alive too. So
1: yeah. I, this is the Kirk in this story is an interesting uh, juxtaposition to the Kirk that we had in the last roundup, uh, you know, because they're both with him going to another colony uh, to a to a new colony, um, but the difference was in the last roundup. He felt he, he felt kind of lost there because he wasn't in a leadership position. He was trying to let his nephews really take the lead, and mm-hmm. you know they 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 didn't want him to to just be the leader. But here in this story, he really takes it on himself to to be the leader when he sees that mm-hmm. lack of leadership going on. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen him do that kind of strong arm his way into, um, into situations. in during the original series where he, he there I want to say it was the Omega glory or something where he's like, it's called freedom and you're going to like it. Yeah. And yeah. know, it's almost that Kirk that we get here where he's like, I'm going to show you how to lead and you're going to like it. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and I think, There is almost like a parental aspect to that in the sense that like these people don't know how to lead and it's going to get them killed. And what is fascinating, I I highly recommend it to anybody. If if you haven't watched 1883, you can see this like there are the people that are leading these people to Oregon. They've done this before. They know Mm -hmm. what's out there. They know what they're going to face and you're going to follow them you're going to follow the rules or you're not going to travel with them because they know what's happening and, and it's the same thing like i think it's very interesting what we get here is that it's written in that same aspect kirk is the leader he's been out there he knows what it is and if you don't like it you know you're going to die basically and and that's exactly what almost happens to them right so um i do have to ask you so at the end of the book we see that we might get in a embroiled in another people's war we might get you know smack dab in the middle We're we're still gonna go to beltaire and the bloods and the quads may live in this area and we might get embroiled in their war but well we've ended one war and we can do it again you know and um I was just like it that's completely against the prime directive
1: yeah so what that's the Kirk heck <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, to to some extent, I mean, the people wanted to go to this planet mm-hmm. no matter what. And Kirk may be, uh, you know, there's his hubris showing again, I guess, too, but it's – he's – if these people are so insistent on colonizing this planet – it, it almost doesn't matter if there's another war going on nearby or not, because there could be at some point. And if these people want to be so autonomous, maybe they do need to just get in there and experience it. Mm-hmm. And there's, even though the, those races want to put, well, they wanted to put um, mm-hmm. a, a base on the planet, but you know, we, I guess we don't know what's going to happen. Like the, you know, maybe they, they, we they've only really talked to one side of this, you know, the people in this conflict right. with the blood. I think, and so maybe they could be friends with the the Kald or whatever they're called. Um, mm-hmm. And there is precedent, like you know, with the they even reference in the book the um, the war between the Emeniar and the Vendicar. Right, and um, because I think that was that computerized war where yes. people just had yeah. to go go to their deaths, and. I mean, I don't know. Leave it to Kirk and the Enterprise crew, I guess, to, to finish a war for somebody else.
0: There you go. There you go. They'll, they'll, they'll solve it. Um, yes. If there was a problem, Kirk will solve it. Check out the hook. Yes. When my DJ revolves it. Ice, <laughs> ice, baby. Anyway. Um, okay. So the last thing I wanted to ask you, because uh, the writing style of this book with Diane Carey, um, how, how do you feel about it? Because I found, in all honesty, I found the book somewhat confusing sometimes. And the writing style, not very clear at others. And so I just kind of struggled with this book because I, I felt like if it had been more clearly written, it would have been a better story altogether just with that alone. And I, I, I just, I
1: really struggled with this book. Yeah the the timeline is what really got me mm-hmm. um, because I think the story takes place over many months. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember how long they were saying it would take to get because I think they had to go like warp two because that was as fast as their slowest ships could go. Right. And there's the. There's things that happen like either in the chapter breaks or or in various places where it's just like, oh, we're we're like months later now, just because of something that kind of gets said in passing. And so that that to me was very confusing. Um, The other thing, Diane Carey was a very prolific Star Trek author back in the day. I think I want to say she wrote like 30 some Star Trek novels, mostly from the original series. Um, but one of the, one of her big things was, um, she brought in a lot of maritime language and jargon into her books. Cause that was something that she was very familiar with writing. I don't know if she's written those types of stories before, If she's got some history with that, but so she, she adds a lot of, um, you know, there's like boatswains and coxswains and other like positions on ships that mm-hmm. we've never heard in Star Trek before and never will again. And really, I almost feel like there was a missed opportunity to have more terminology from like westerns. You know, we're, we're calling this wagon train mm-hmm. to the stars, and they've got ships. Like one of the ships is called the Oregon Trail, and but we didn't, we didn't really lean into that as much as i thought we could have like made this like a real western in space Mm -hmm. uh, as far as like you know like 1883 or whatever um and so i don't know some of that just that stuff did kind of throw me out of the story a little bit sometimes and just trying to wrap my head around what she was even saying sometimes
0: yeah i um I, i i just did not love um this writing style and and you're right. I mean, she's absolutely a prolific Star Trek author. She's written so many books. Um, And, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that you put on here too, when it came to like the idea of the story and the, the author here is would this have worked maybe better in its own universe with original characters. And I do almost feel like a lot of this story it was lacking a little bit of the Star Trekness to it. You know, uh, we've got Kirk there and everything, but this did almost feel like it would have been a more interesting story if it had been its own universe with original characters of, you know, um, space pioneers, you know? Um, or if it had been set, like, in the 22nd century, early, before mm. Warp 5 ships, you know, were going out, you know, like, basically the Terra Nova type of thing that's that's yeah. this type of story right um i think that would have just been more interesting because a lot of this story and we talked about at the beginning just didn't feel like it fit with what we knew of star trek especially when you think of like star trek 2 and how meticulous they were in researching for the genesis project and mm-hmm. you know i just it just felt odd so yeah i don't i don't know
1: yeah and i almost wonder yeah because Having the Star Trek characters, having the Enterprise in there, that did nothing for me in the story. It, they, could, they could have just replaced all of them with original characters. Yeah. And, I, and I thought it would have been a fine book, like um, just kind of a, a sci-fi, fantasy, western kind of hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost, I, I do wonder if, if we hadn't had these new, and I understand they're trying to create a world for this six-book arc that they're going to have. And so bringing in familiar foes maybe isn't really a path they wanted to go down like we didn't want the Klingons to be the bad guys or the Romulans sure. or somebody. Um, but I do feel like that that might have grounded it a little bit more in the Star Trek universe rather than having these just original aliens that once again could have belonged to any universe other than star trek i mean this could have been a star wars novel or something um and so i I do feel like it kind of missed the mark on Mm -hmm. yeah you said it perfectly the the star trekness just wasn't there yeah absolutely so
0: well casey i'm really interested what
1: would you rate this book then this, this was a hard one for me to rate. I was really going back and forth between a two and a three. Um, not a very, st- I, I ended up giving it a three just because I, about halfway through reading this book is when I kind of thought about maybe this isn't a Star Trek story. And when I kind of turned my mind on that a little bit, it it made it actually a little easier to kind of get through the rest mm-hmm. of the book and let me appreciate some of the other things that were going on in it, rather than trying to figure out like, why is this a Star Trek book or why is this, you know, a Kirk story or whatever. Um, so, so I gave it, I would say a very weak three. Um, but I didn't really want to, I felt like it was maybe a little bit better than a, a two. And mm-hmm. since Goodreads doesn't do half stars, yeah. I, I I gave it the benefit of the doubt and gave it a three. Yeah.
0: This, this story, I, you know, I talked about the strength of the idea of the story, you know, what we're trying, just when you say this out loud of like, this is what the book series is about, I think it's, it's a strong idea. And, um, I think the execution here is just off and that's frustrating because I, I, I don't want it to be, I, I want there to be, um, a better connection, and just honestly i I want it to be a better written story I give this a two and a half, and so on Goodreads, you'd see it as a two because I think it's more of a two than it is a three um and you know I'll give it a two and a half because I feel like it's half a good idea and story. It's just the other half of that execution just is is too far off for me to say um it's above average. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, and in all honesty, I would say probably two and a half is me being generous, me being generous. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm still actually excited to see where this story goes, and I, I think hopefully, you know, we have kind of a rocky start as all main pioneering adventures do, uh, in real life, and so hopefully, uh, it'll be better moving forward.
1: So Star Trek series always tend to have a, a little bit of a rough start. And this one isn't a stranger to that. But like you said, it's going to be nice to get, uh, to see what else happens in this series. And I don't know. It's just exciting to, uh, be back in the, the original series after all those 24th century adventures. And, uh, yeah, got, got more on the way and more, more series to, to, to go coming up.
0: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm actually excited to continue with this. You know, I I love the movie era of the of Star Trek. You know, of, of TOS, and so to be in that, it's really exciting to me. Um, you know, I just the, the idea of being on the ReFent Enterprise in the first place is great. So, no, I am excited to continue with this. And and Casey, if people you know want to catch up with you and talk about this or anything else Star Trek related or see what else you've got going on,
1: where would they find you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, and Letterboxd at Knitting Trekkie. I can also be found poking around in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And I am also on a podcast called Mickey's Marvels, where we discuss... Everything under the Disney umbrella, and recently just talked about the book of Boba Fett.
0: Nice, that's awesome, man. Um, well, hopefully everybody will check that out, uh, and then of course you can find me on the social medias under the name Matt Rushing zero uh, two Letterbox Instagram. Twitter, Vero, all of those type of places. Uh, You can also find me here on the network, of course, in our whole other side of the network devoted to things outside of Star Trek, the 602 Club. Um, We're talking about all of the fandoms we love. We've got some great bonus shows in there as well. It's a great feed to check out, so hopefully you will. Uh, You can also find me doing The Orb as well as Warp 5. So The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. Chris and I are talking about every single episode of the series celebrating its 20th anniversary. And you'll want to look for it, but Star Trek Picard, we're going to be talking about that soon as uh, season two is in full force now. So look for the latest on Star Trek Picard coming very soon. And you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network. I did a finished show called Owlpost with Drea Kaufman as we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then John Mills and I talked Star Wars on aggressive negotiations, so you'll want to check that out as well. But thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long
1: and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.